thank you for listening to the weekly message at First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. Grab your word and a bulletin. Got some scripture we're going to take a look at today and a guy named Nicodemus. As we're in a series called In It, Not Of It. Basically, this series is um, how to be in this world, but not of this world. Jesus called us to be different, set apart um, for such a time as this. We, I know we're supposed to be on this earth. We're here, but we're here by purpose, for reason. And, and God said, hey, don't get comfy here. Don't think they're going to like you here, necessarily. They're, they, you're passing through. But while you pass through, while the days that I have ordained for you here, to be here, that you live these out, I want you to be in this world but not of this world. Do not be in this world and this world and of this world. You will not, they will not know you differently. And so we are living in a day and time right in the middle of it where he is raising up um, a generation, raising up a people. Uh, you saw it a little bit Tuesday, just a little snibbing of, of what's coming in, in some elections in this country. San Francisco was interesting. Kentucky was interesting. And bless their hearts in Houston. <laughs> that was interesting, okay? Keep your eye on that stuff. I'm telling you, there is a groundswell of God's people, and he's raising them up. And there's a remnant out there that's being awakened, and you need to get ready for that. I'm just telling you, you're going to watch it. It's going to be fun to watch. And you need to decide what camp you're in. Because <laughs> not to decide, um, excuse me, is to decide, okay? So I want you to go to John chapter 3. We're going to look at Nicodemus. We're going to look at three different aspects of Nicodemus' life and what we can learn from Nicodemus when it comes to the fact that we need to be in this world but not of this world. And I want you to see first in John chapter 3, this is where we're kind of introduced to Nicodemus. This is kind of where he gets thrown under the bus, but, but it's not, we don't finish his story sometimes, bless his heart. So I want you to go to John chapter 3. Look at this beginning verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs that you are doing if God were not in him or with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. How can a man be born again who is old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born. Jesus answered, verse 5, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water, and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised by my saying, you must be born again. If we're ever going to be set apart, separated, different in this world, we must be born again. Must be born again. Nicodemus, what we see about Nicodemus is he sought Jesus out. He seeked him, man. He went on purpose. You say, well, he's a big chicken because he came at night. You can call him a big chicken if you want to, but the bottom line is that dude had a desire, knew there was something different about him, 
And he seeked him. He sought him. He went after him. He pursued him. He went by purpose for him. He made an effort to go to him. God's word says in Jeremiah 29, 13, you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. I mean, all over Scripture, Psalm 119, we love Psalm 119.9. How can a young man keep his ways pure by living, to, by living according to the Word of God? You will find me if you seek me with all your heart, verse 10 says. The question this morning is, what are you seeking? What are you seeking? Let me say it like this. You probably have today what you're seeking. We tend to catch what we pursue in America. The problem is, many times we're surprised by what we find that we've caught. (laughs) And then we don't know exactly how to describe it or what to do with it. We are where we are spiritually. We are where we are with maturity in Christ. We are where we are in our relationship with the Lord by the amount of effort we put in it. It's not anybody's fault. It's not mom and dad. It's not the church. It's not your youth pastor. It's not the children's minister. It's not the state you live in. It's not anybody's fault except yours because you, if you will seek him, he promises that he will be found. If you seek him with all your heart, you will find him. Nicodemus is not a chicken. Nicodemus sought him at night, yes. Why? Because he was a part of a group that was going to get him, that he didn't want to stand out like that. He didn't want them to know that he was interested in this rabbi. He didn't want them to know that he was seeking him. So, yes, he came secretly. He came at night. There may be a point in your life, in your spiritual maturity, where you do everything secretly. You don't want anybody to know where you are. You don't want anybody to know you're reading the Bible. So you hide it. But I'm telling you, there's a day and time, and it's coming quickly, that you can no longer hide your love for the king. You're going to have to stand up. And speak up. We looked at it last week. You can't just hide. Nicodemus pursued him. The question this morning is simply this. What are you pursuing? What are you seeking? What are you seeking? I want you to flip over. Go to verse 7. I mean chapter 7. I want to pick him up in a different time. So as this goes on between verses 3 In verse 7, Jesus begins to do miraculous signs. He was already doing them, but he kind of turns the heat up a little bit. He starts speaking stuff like, if you're hungry, come, and I am the bread of life. Once you partake of me, you will not be hungry again. If you're thirsty, come to me, because the water I have, I will give to you, and you will never thirst again. If you take my flesh, you eat of my flesh, and you drink of my blood, you, you will be satisfied. Now, these are some bold statements. And as he's making those, the heat of getting Jesus continues to go up. I mean, they want him. I mean, they don't like what he's saying. They don't like what he's doing. That, I mean, he's messing with them. And so all this is going on, and, and you find Nicodemus in this whole setting. Now, remember, he is one of the Jewish ruling councils. He's a big dog, okay? So I want you to pick up in verse 45, chapter 7, verse 45. 
So all this is going on. And so finally the temple guards went back to the chief priests and Pharisees who asked them, why didn't you bring him in? And here's their response in verse 46. No one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards declared. You mean he deceived you also? Pharisees retorted. Has any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? No. But this mob that knows nothing about the law, there's a curse on them. And watch out. Here comes Nicodemus, the man at night, secretly pursuing him. Here he goes. Verse 50. Nicodemus, who has gone to Jesus earlier. They call him out, okay? Who was one of their own number asked, does our law condemn anyone who, without first hearing him to find out what he is doing? And then they said, they replied, are you a Galilee, from Galilee too? Look into it, and you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. Now, if you grew up in Pampa, you would say, is anything good come out of Borger? All right? <laughs> Just telling you, all right? <laughs> but, but listen to me. Does, <laughs> does, does anything good come out of Galilee? L listen to me. Nicodemus is in like the belt of Washington, D.C. Okay? He is a member of the ruling council. There's 72 of these mugs, okay? And they're high, and their nose is up, and they look down on most people because they're too good for everybody else. And Galileans, hmm, Galileans today simply a redneck. They just rednecks, dude. They just redneck. Got a, got a green boat tied at the top of their truck, got cane poles in the back. I mean, they're just rednecks. You ever go online and look at Walmartians, people at Walmart? You might find some Galileans in there, all right? I mean, they're not, they're not the sharpest cat, okay? They're not the sharpest pencil on the desk. The, these are tough. These are rough, redneck-type people. And they're like, there's no way a prophet can come out of that. There's no way. There's no way. Are you, are you one of them? Because Nicodemus, all of a sudden, in the midst of all that, he finds some spiritual guts. The little chicken that came at night seeking him, something happened in him. Something between three and seven took place. Because in the midst of that setting, I'm telling you, in the midst of that setting, can you imagine being in Washington, in, in that belt, okay, in there where all they do is trash Jesus and dog the word of God and take down the Ten Commandments and don't worry about in God we trust. That is not all that. In the midst of all of that, he speaks up. He spoke up. Guts. Boldness. He stood up and he spoke up. The Bible tells Joshua in chapter 1, verse 9, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Let me ask you, you're not in any of that type of company, but why are you not standing up? Why have you not spoke up? I said last week that silence is approval. 
See, if he doesn't speak up in seven, what does he do? He blends in with them. He does. He's seen as their belief, he's seen to have the same belief. Their thought is his thought. Their comments, suggestions about him, about this prophet, that would be his if he didn't speak up. Where in your life is it home, Dad, that you need to speak up? Is it time for you to be the spiritual captain of your ship? Is it time to tell your wife, I'm ready to drive now. I'm ready to lead this family. Because listen to me, your wife doesn't need to lead it. And your kids sure don't. But God sure will let them if you're not going to. What about at work? Do you, do you have people around you that you need to stand up and speak up to? Just obey the Spirit. You say, well, what, what if I don't know what to say? What if it doesn't come out right? We talked about it last week. Well, I don't have time to script it out. There's a moment there's a moment, there's a moment. It's set up by God. It's divinely put there by God. It's sovereignly laid before you by God. The people that God wants around at that moment are there. You're there playing the part for God. He's put it in you. You feel it. You know it's in you. You feel that warm nudge, but you don't speak because you're afraid of what you say won't make sense or they won't get it, or it won't come out right and they'll laugh at you, or you don't have the guts to say it. So you go home and you're, you wrestle with it all evening. You write something out and you say, God, just let it happen again and I'll say it. And it never happens. Never happens. Because there are splash moments in life. And once the ripples get to the shore, it's over. There was a moment when you got married that the moment was perfect for you to ask for hand in marriage. You wait too long, might not be there. Ask too early, you might get no. But there's a moment, same thing. Many of you in this room, myself included, are just a puppet in God's hands being set up for his kingdom. He has things he wants us to accomplish for such a time as this. You were hatched for a reason. You were put here for a reason. You're in this place for a reason. You've been given favor at work or with these people for a reason. You sit where you sit for a very big reason. And for many of us, we're not, we're not taking advantage of the opportunities that God's given us. Nicodemus did not let that moment go by. He stood up with spiritual guts. I want you to see it. Pop that slide up, Jared. I want you to see this. We're going to come back to this later. The true condition of our hearts is revealed when God asks us to do something that we don't want to do. The true condition of whether we've studied for the test is determined when that test hits our desk. See, that's why we get tests in life, to reveal our heart. Because we don't really know where we are until we get tested on it. See, you don't know where that is 
in you. And you don't know what's really in you until we're asked to give the goods. Until God says, do this in your life. That does not make sense. Do it. The question is, will you obey it? doesn't have to make sense. probably won't make sense. The question is, does your love trump common sense? Does your love and obedience to the king trump anything that says anything about common sense? No longer conform to the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that says, whatever the Spirit speaks to me to do, I do. I do. Last thing you see, I want you to flip over quite a few pages. I want you to go to chapter 19. Still the same guy. All we're doing is walking with him. Chapter 19. I want you to pick him up in verse 38. Same Nicodemus. At this point, Jesus has died. He's on the cross. We pick up in verse, in verse 38 of chapter 19. Later, Joseph of Aramaeth asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jews. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. Verse 39, he was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who had earlier had visited Jesus at night, Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh alloys about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it in spices and strips of linen. This was accordance to the Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. The same little chicken that came at night seeking Jesus, the same one in the midst of that circle that stood up, is now the one accompanied with Joseph who asked for the body of Jesus. That is all in, my friends. That's all in. I call that extravagant love. Extravagant means going beyond reasonable limits. Excessive. Costing or spending too much. Extreme. Excessive. Radical. Drastic. Risky. Is that you? Are you safe? Oh, I'm just going to play it safe. No, you cannot play it safe any longer. You can't. You can't at work. You can't as an American citizen. You can't as a student in school today. You have got to be all in. All in. All in. It will demand that of you. I promise you, it will demand that of you. If you don't begin now understanding the fact that extravagant love, love that is absolutely risky, love that is absolutely radical, is what he demands. That's what he wants. It's what he called us to. That's what we're supposed to be. We're not supposed to blend in. We're supposed to be set apart in this world, but not of this world. And I'm telling you right now, Nicodemus modeled for us 
extravagant love for the king. How risky, how radical are you for Jesus? How? Is it still embarrassing to you? If things happen that you could not explain with words, but you knew it was the Spirit of God, would you be a part of it? Or would you tuck tail and run because you can't explain it? I'm going to promise you this. You pursue him long enough and get enough Holy Spirit in you, God will do things in and through you that you cannot explain. And if you tried to explain, they'd look at you like you need to go to the pavilion. All right? But here's the deal. It happens all through Scripture, too. And it happened in Nicodemus' life. He stood up, and all of a sudden, when nobody wanted to be associated with Jesus, here comes Joseph, and here comes Nicodemus, and says, we want the body. They could have put them back up on that cross where they broke those two thieves' legs and took them down. Those crosses were still there. They could have put both those cats up there, flanking Jesus. They risk it. What are you risking today? What are you risking today? Is it just convenient church attendance? A convenient time in the Word? Convenience, convenience, convenience. This is not a day and time for convenient love for Jesus. It's a day and time for radical love for Jesus. And I'm telling you, He is going to separate the pack. Camp t-shirts will not be enough anymore. Jesus stickers on the back of the car is not enough anymore. And honk if you love Jesus will not get it done. It just won't. You're going to have to man up and stand up and speak up. And you're going to have to be extravagantly love in love with Jesus. Enough to put your neck out there. To risk it all. And it might cost you life. But you've got to be willing to do it because he gave his life for you. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. And we thank you and we praise you and we adore you and we exalt you. God, today is just a simple inventory day. What's in me? What's what's really in me? What do I really hunger for? What am I really pursuing? What am I really seeking? It's evident in my life. It's evident by how much I speak up. It's evident by how much I stand up. Father, today, if we're not radical for you, we're just blending in. God, I pray you make us sick of being just blended in. So, Father, during this invitation time, I believe there are things in this room that absolutely need to be laid at the cross because they're hindering our radical love for you. We got things first that shouldn't be first. We pursue things that we shouldn't pursue. And you're an add-on to that. So God, I pray that you bring us to the place that we lay it down and be radically in love with you. And so Father, during this invitation times, we, we simply obey you. We simply respond to what you've spoken. I pray, Father, that we say yes to you. God, move now in whatever way you want to move. In Christ's name.